You're listening to the Football Revolution. Hello and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Gio. Thanks for joining us. Some entertaining football, wild weather, Aussies doing us proud and defending is optional in this round. Lots to cover on the show, so let's get stuck into it. And joining me is my co-host, VIG. G'day, mate. How's your week been? G'day, yeah, very good. Defending optional, you said. Is that uh, plenty of goals around the league this week? So, um, yeah, not, not much defending. Yeah, I think uh, they put up on the board. If you want to defend, that's a bonus. But uh, there's no, no, you don't have to. You can uh, all go all out attack. So there was plenty of goals. I think there was eight in uh, one of the games. There was five in one of the other games. So yeah, look, plenty of uh, plenty of action, plenty of goals. I don't know if that uh, if the defensive coach will be as excited as the attacking coach. But uh, still, lots of stuff for us to watch. But uh, mate, you're still on daddy daycare duties. You're still uh, you know pushing the pram up to to, to daycare and looking after the little one. Yeah, I am. I am. Couple, couple more, couple more weeks to go. So, uh, just enjoying my time off and uh, enjoying the time with the little one. Mate, it was uh, Giannis's birthday last Thursday. So, happy birthday to little G. Uh, how did a year pass already? Are we already? He's already one year old. I don't know. Did he skip a few months? Or what's going on? I know. Oh, I've got no idea. I think he. I think he skipped a few months. But yeah, it's it's been a crazy year, and um, yeah, can't believe that he's actually one already. So, growing up too fast. Yeah, super cute, but uh, let's slow it down a little bit. We only need him to be uh, a kid for a long period of time, right? We don't need him being a teenager yet. <laughs> There's plenty of time for that. Not just yet, mate. Not just yet. Mate, um, I'm back from watching Ed Sheeran in Queensland. He's ridiculously talented and amazing in concert. My favourite song live was Bad Habits, which also reminded me of other people's bad habits who have tried to copy some of what we do but it's also a compliment to us. So, uh, yeah, in the past, like I said, I know of, of error probably say to you sometimes, I don't know why they're having a crack at us, and you've said, look, it's just a compliment. But, uh, yeah, the bad habits, uh, you know, you can interpret it however you want, and it was amazing to see it live. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it reminds me of people who go out there and start trying to copy some of the uh, player escape room stuff and that we do. But I suppose isn't that a, uh, you know, a feather in our cap if they love what we do and they're trying to do it? Maybe not as good, though. Imitation is a form of flattery, so um, we'll just take it as that. And, um, yeah, if we're setting the benchmark, there we go. Mate, a fun fact for you too. Ed Sheeran not only scores goals, but he also provides assists. He wrote the track Love Yourself, which was a monster hit for Justin Bieber. He wrote it on the back of the bus and uh, gave it to his teammates. So it goes to show he's an excellent team player as well. Yeah, on the, on the back of a paper towel or something. Is that is that what he did? Just uh, like maybe scri- a pie wrapper, it out maybe and, a pie wrapper or something. Yeah, <laughs> scribbled, it, scribbled it out and handed it over. It's like um, it's like when the coaches give instructions to players when they're going onto the pitch to to hand to the captain or, or the centre back or whatever it is. So um, yeah, quite nice of him. Mate, it reminds me of uh, I saw that uh, Andrew Redmayne's kept that water bottle. Uh, if you see on uh, the A League uh, socials, he's uh, he's kept that water bottle that he threw away that had the uh, Peru goalkeeper's instructions for the penalty shootout. And he said every every fibre in his body said, "Don't do this because it's not the sort of person I am." But he just couldn't help himself, right? And he launched into the crowd, and then someone's good enough to uh, hold on to it and give it back to him as a keepsake. It's a collector's item now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I hope he's not. I hope he's not drinking out of it though. <laughs> okay, mate. I know this is not going to make you happy, but it probably makes me happy. Last week's fucked or fiction, the VAR may have finally worked in my favour. One of the questions we have checked the footage, and I believe that Balotelli going to a bullied fan school is actually fucked. Therefore, the goal is disallowed, and I believe I win two one. Ah, oh, look, I'm not, I'm not having this. What, what's going on here? That's do that's, we just call, uh, do we just call it four foot? Then do we just null and void the null and void it? And, uh, need yeah, to win. It's the, the time. There's too much time that's passed. You know, we, 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 fans get frustrated when the VAR takes five, five, six minutes. You know, it's been a week. What, what's going on? All right, mate. Look, I, I didn't know if I'd get it across the line. I thought it was worth trying, but uh, look, at least it doesn't go down as another loss in another another tick in the, the loss box for me against you. So, look, uh, I think next time I just need to a little be a little bit more careful when uh, we're putting together the questions. But uh, if that's the case, we'll just call it null and void. Um, unusually, J Mac wasn't on the score sheet this weekend, but he still leads the Golden Boot race to claim his fifth award with 16. His closest rival is Jason Cummings with 14, and he's only six goals behind the all-time uh, scoring king Bessart Barisha, who has declared McLaren is worthy of taking his mantle. Yeah, huge, and uh, like you said, I think Jason Cummings is—he's slowly creeping up. Another double for him. So here he comes. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah. He, he was good. He was good in check, Perth. Check over your shoulder because uh, he's coming. Yeah, and, and I think uh, 
Uh, I think if anyone knows that he's coming, it's the Perth fans. They decided to give it to him, and uh, he's not uh, backwards and coming forwards. And uh, I think he gave him as much as he uh, as much as he was taken in. Yeah, they saw him coming, and and he told him, I, "I am Jason Cummings." <laughs> All right, Brisbane Raw has confirmed they have parted ways with head coach Warren Moon after three years in charge. So the response to the question I asked last week is not very long. I asked, how long will he still be in charge? And uh, he's not there. He uh, he almost done Sydney at Allianz, but uh, I wasn't a fan of his 4-4-1-1. He played Knowles and Milanusic out wide. He played O'Shea uh, up high, uh, as the pundits have been saying he should. Now, I don't know why you'd listen to the pundits, right? It's not your job uh, to listen to other people and be influenced. And look, maybe it was just coincidence, but uh, I remember hearing Andy Harper say, oh, you should be playing O'Shea a lot further up the park. Well, this week he goes and plays in behind the the, the striker. So I, I, I just, I don't know if he just, you know, it was just out of his depth now. Um, and there was no start for Robbie Cruz, Aramiento, who I think has been brilliant for them so far this season, or Henry Hoare, an import Canadi who you put in our uh, on the ball a few weeks ago. He didn't even get to step on the pitch. He hasn't been seen, has he? Oh, I, you know, not that I was so excited about him, but whenever you get a, a new player to the league, um, you, you want to see him on the pitch as, as soon as possible. So a little bit frustrating. But yeah, like you said, with Warren Moon, maybe he just ran out of ideas and, um, potentially lost lost the dressing shed as well. You know things haven't haven't been too good for him uh, the last month or so, or, or since since they came back after after the Christmas break. So um, yeah, a, li- a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think it's like like I said, I think it's time for for Brisbane to move on and and bring someone else in. Yeah, look, I think he's done a good job. It's been a real tough, uh, you know, testing time for him this year with you know losing uh, his star striker and a World Cup break and all this sort of stuff. But I'm pretty sure he'll land with a, a you know a good job in an MPL or another sort of role, a youth role or something. So we wish him all the best. Um, it's nice to see players in the A League having some fun. And also, considering I call you VIG because you're so well well dressed with all your fancy shoes and clothes, Valon Barisha's love of shoes caused a teammate for Secret Santa to give him a cheap pair of white sneakers with his initials and Louis Vuitton drawn on the back with black marker. These are the stories we uh, push to hear on the show to show the human side of the players, and we absolutely love them. We do, yeah. I, I did see his, uh, see his wardrobe with his shoes stacked up in there. Uh, very impressive um, selection he's, he's got, so... Um, but I suppose when you when you're earning the big bucks and, and playing in Europe, it's uh, it's easy to to build up a collection like that. So um, he's he's a well dressed man and uh, a man of uh, very elegant taste. Yeah, it was it was cracking to see how he um, how they drew the shoes. It was really creative. So I'm not sure who did it. I'd love to find out uh, if we can, when we get the next city player on, if we can find out who it was that actually did the secret Santa and and, and hand drawn those shoes. It was absolute genius. But uh, it's a secret for now. But hopefully we'll find out in the coming weeks. Uh, Aussies abroad enjoyed more success this week. Riley McGree scoring his sixth of the season, helping Middlesbrough to a fifth straight win, which is very impressive. Ryan Strain's corner set up St Mirren's winner against Ross County. In Germany, it was a Socceroo Socceroo again, this time Jackson Irvine with a goal in St Pauli's uh, 2-1 win over FC uh, Magdeburg. Mitch Landerak kept a clean sheet in Nagoya Grampus's opening day win over Yokohama FC, not to be confused with uh, Kevin Muscat's Yokohama. And young keeper Nicholas Bilakapik went one better with an assist in Huddersfield's 2-1 win over Birmingham. But not, not everyone's game went to plan as Dundee United's Mark Birigetti's goal line error not only gifted his uh, opponent St. Johnson a victory, but he was also replaced with an injury. So that was a bit of a double whammy. Yeah, it was. I, I saw the footage for that. He's played a short, short ball out. Uh, the the centre midfielder or centre backs played it back to him, and and he's just he's, he's got to clear that first time. Uh, he's taken a touch and and he's tackled, and and the ball's gone in the back of the net. And to top it off, he's uh, picked up an injury um, all in the one play. So he was he was replaced. But um, I think you mentioned their young goalkeeper Billa Kapic. Yeah, I think yeah, he is Nicholas playing at Huddersfield. Yeah. Uh, he's he's having a tremendous season uh, playing in the championship week in week out. Uh, lovely assist for him as well. He's, he's knocked a, a, a long ball about 70, 80 yards and uh, Huddersfield players run onto it and, and finished it. So, um, yeah, he's he's definitely one to one to look out for. And we've been talking about Joe Gauchi potentially getting a call up to the next um, Socceroo squad. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this young lad is, is also there. Yeah, exciting to see both. Uh, there's, there's plenty of young keepers around, but uh, I think uh, the Socceroos will be scratching their head as well as we did at the World Cup, saying, why didn't we take Mitch Langerak with the form that he's been in and, and made himself available again? Moving on to the Matildas, their World Cup preparations are going very nicely following up Thursday's 4-0 thumping of the Czech Republic with an excellent 3-2 win over highly rated Spain. And not needing Sam's, Sam, uh, needing superstar Sam Kerr to score was another huge tick for the performance. 
Yeah, huge win. I, I said you know a couple of weeks ago, I was saying that uh, Spain would be the the biggest test for them in the, in these three games that they're playing, um, and you know to 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 play at home to to go out score three goals like they were three 0 up at half time, uh, controlling the game. You know Spain didn't score till till late on their, their two goals. So um, good to see, good to see Caitlin Ford on the on the score sheet, uh, Courtney Vine and and Claire Polkinghorne as well at the back. So. Um, like you said, no Sam Kerr on the on the score sheet, and you still scored three goals, and, and you find the game three two. So um, only a positive, and and these players, you, you've got to build that winning mentality, and we've been saying that all along uh, with Gustafsson. He's, he's got to start to build that winning culture, and they're they're starting to do that now. They're, I think they picked up a four 0 win against the Czech Republic, three uh, two against Spain. Um, they need to continue this on, build a winning culture and continue this on into the World Cup later this year. Let's hope that uh, Big Tony's timing has run perfectly. He hasn't uh, set the world on fire with the Matildas so far in his reign, but uh, if he peaks at the right time and gets us into a uh, into a semi-final or a final of a World Cup, uh, all will be forgiven and he will be the new king. So, PL News. So, City beat Arsenal midweek to jump the Gunners into first spot, but a few days later, two stoppage time goals gave Arteta's team a thr- thrilling uh, 4-2 win over Aston Villa, while City had to settle for a draw at Forest. So, Arsenal are back on top. Another masterclass from Rashford takes United only three points behind rival City in second and Newcastle's loss allows Spurs after their 2-0 London derby defeat of West Ham to leapfrog them into fourth. The Geordies, however, do have a game in hand. Two wins in three games have Everton out of the drop zone for the first time in forever. And James Ward-Prowse's free kick separated the teams and gave Southampton an important away win against Chelsea. It was his 17th direct free kick goal, leaving him only one behind all-time leader, Sir David Beckham. Yeah, well, that's when you put it like that. That's that's a amazing feat, I think. Um, but he's he's a dead ball specialist, isn't he, Ward Prowse? He's anywhere in and around the box. Uh, he's dangerous, and and even from from a little bit deeper back, uh, delivering crosses into the box. So he's got a, a wand of a right foot on him. But um, yeah, like you said, look, Arsenal got got away with one. Uh, got away with one late after a, a quick turnaround. They they played an early game on on Saturday night. I think it was our time. So. Um, you know, they, they go back top of the table, two points clear with the game in hand over City who who dropped points against against Forest and, and that's, you know, pretty much unheard of for, for Man City. Um, and then United, uh, you know, slowly creeping up behind. Um, I think there's still three points behind City, same same amount of games played, but um, Rashford is just on fire at the moment. He's, he's borderline unplayable um, and, and what Ten Hag has done to him and, and, and the, that team as well. Um, I think a lot of credit as well has to go to the winter signing of Fuat Weghurst um, because his his work rate, his movement off the ball, um, I think it allows the, the wingers and, and the players in behind him to to create or get into space. That he creates a lot of space for for those players to get into and, and score goals. So um, yeah, it's all it's all looking pretty good for for United at the moment. Um, but can can Arsenal hold on at the top now? They've got a game in hand and, and they can go five points clear again. So. Um, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Look, the heat is on, and they did slip up, uh, as we were saying, after a couple of uh, games where they dropped points. But uh, they've recovered really quickly, you know, thanks to other teams dropping points. So the heat is on. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. And look, it's only a matter of time. Probably the next transfer window before Ward Prowse maybe looks at a, a big six or a team higher than Southampton. No disrespect. Talking in his football quickly, Callum Gribble was said to be the best talent Manchester United has since Ryan Giggs. He was at the club from 2008 to 2019, but now the 24-year-old is playing for FC United of Manchester in the seventh tier of English football. Said to have a poor attitude to training, the talented youngster has found out the hard way how how your chance can be there one minute and go on the next. Let's see what happens. How do you go from being the next Ryan Giggs to be playing for FC United of Manchester? Oh, I've got no idea, but it, it, it has happened before. He's not the first player that's, um, you know, been a, a talented youth, youth team player and um, I think I remember from, from back in the 2010 uh, when I was over in the UK, uh, the captain of, of the Liverpool reserves team, Stephen Irwin, they were saying this bloke's the next Stephen Gerrard. He's, he's unbelievable. He's going to play, you know, 400 games for the Liverpool first team. And, you know, in the space of two, three years, uh, he was playing fifth division somewhere in Estonia or something. So um, it's it's happened before. Uh, and like you said, uh, sometimes uh, you know players with a with a poor attitude, or um, you know players that let themselves let themselves get too far too far ahead of themselves, um, you know can all come crashing down. So 
it, it does pay to, to keep a keep a level head and and get your head down and, and work hard and and uh let your let the football do the talking on the pitch um you know and and, and keep uh keep humble off the pitch Mate, uh, it's a huge lesson for those youngsters out there who have dreams of playing at a uh, high level or any level. You've got to put in the work and you've got to have the right attitude. And I remember they, uh, there's a quote from Nicky Butt, who was the youth team coach at the time there, that said to him, mate, when he left and went out and transferred thinking, I'm too good for United, he said, mate, you'll either come back here, we'll end up re-signing you for $100 million, or you'll be working at McDonald's. So I think at the moment, <laughs> Nicky Butt was on the money with he'll be working at McDonald's. But look, we wish the kid all the best. Uh, our special guest is Mr. 360-kilometre man, running machine, and absolutely legend MacArthur Bulls physio Brendan Wyatt joins us for a chat to tell us about his selfless deed he's undertaking as well as we have a little fun with with our six aside game there's no women's a-league wrap this week as there were no fixtures due to the Matildas playing in the cup of nations which we're doing bloody well in so uh, we're fine with that revolutionized roundup of the men's weekend action and is there anything I didn't see B.I.G. Uh, no, look, I think you've, you've pretty much summed everything up, haven't you? You're, you're across the board. You, you even managed to, to fit in a few football games in, in the uh, in the midst of an Ed Sheeran concert and, and travelling up to the Gold Coast, so um, up to Brisbane. So, you know, happy days for you. You're, you're flying, mate. Mate, I, I'm doing okay. But uh, my weekly rap has been replaced by a shout-out, dedicating a weekly song to a team or a player for their good or bad performance. This week's shout-out goes to Adelaide United's captain and main man, Craig Goodwin, and not for his two assists in the eight-goal thriller with the Wanderers. Surely his performances this season warrant a mention, but for sticking around after a warm, tiring game to spend time with the fans and sign autographs, and the uh, autographs is just uh, goes to show how, how fantastic a person he is. So... The song we send to you is Unsecret's super cool track, Born to be Champions. Uh, absolutely top-notch, mate, and why this is why you're so classy on and off the pitch. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, from an A-League fan's point of view and A-League host, thank you very much. If we had more of players like you in the league, we'd be, we'd be uh, having a league that everyone just loves every week, week in, week out, and with players that we just connect with. So uh, to you, mate, congratulations on the shout-out. Unsecret, super cool, born to be champions, and uh, we can't wait to see more of you this season. Yeah, hats off, hats off to him for sticking around. But he's he's got to work a bit smarter than harder, I think. After after a full ninety in the heat, um, he, did he not see Sitsipas at the Australian Open? So he, he's already he's signed all these cards, and as he's walking off the court, he's just handing the cards out one by one to the fans. So he should have prepped himself. He should have signed some uh, signed some posters, and then had them all stacked up there. And then he could have just gone around the pitch and just started handing them out. And he would have been out of there in uh, 20 minutes instead of uh, two hours. But uh, I love that. He's too honest. For, yeah, he's too honest. Good on him to stick, for sticking around. He's a, he's a top bloke and uh, he, had a, he had a great World Cup and he's been terrific in the A-League. So goes to show, um, you know, he's a bit of a, a cult hero down in, down in Adelaide. A quick look at the A-League men's table. Melbourne City are on 34 with an extra game in hand. It's starting to get uh, pretty congested. Central Coast, second, 27. Adelaide United on third, 27. Wanderers in fourth on 25. Wellington a further point back on 24. And uh, Sydney also on 24, rounding out the top six. As I said, it's very congested with only five points separating fourth to ninth. The Phoenix is the only top six side to have taken all three points on the weekend. And the Jets win was, uh, and the Jets win has them knocking on the finals door, only outside on goal difference. So, uh, lots to play for in the coming weeks, uh, and it's starting to get really, really, uh, you know, like I said, tight. And uh, anything can happen. So, let's get into our revolutionised roundup. We select a match of the day each, as well as uh, mini review the other four games. We tell you in the main game the score, the goal scorers, the players of the game, the turning point, as well as what Coach Gio or VIG would have done to have changed that game. So let's get stuck into it. There's plenty to cover. So the first game was uh, Friday night's Western United versus Wellington Phoenix. The game finished 3-0 to the away team, Wellington Phoenix. And uh, Wellington's imports are way too hot to handle for last year's champions, Western United and Tassie, as uh, Sass, Cray Evans, Awada all score in a solid 3-0 win. Um, I saw a quote that Ulfak Tale said four years ago that football is about recruitment. 70% goes to recruitment and the other 30 is motivational and ta- the tactical side of things. I think he's onto something. <laughs> it's pretty accurate, isn't it? J- judging by what they're, what they're doing over at Wellington, I think he is. Um, you know, he's, he's brought in the, the right players and um, they're, they're flying at the moment. Krayev, Zawada, uh, Sus, and, uh, and, you know, you've got Borley there that they brought in a couple of years ago. So, um, lots of leaders in that team and, and players that are that are stepping up in the right moments and um, you know also helping out the the younger players that that are sort of fit in between them. So 
um they're they're flying at the moment and and yeah recruitment is you know what what do you if I say it's it's 75% it might even be more honestly because you bring in the right people you you have the right culture at a club um you know I think Sydney FC had this same philosophy for for you know for many years that when they were at the top of the league and I'm I'm sure Melbourne City have have the same philosophy as well of bringing in the right players and and the right people um and really building a, a strong club culture because it goes a long way yeah, Wellington are uh, winning games and they're looking really, really good on the pitch and they're enjoyable to watch. So not mu- much more you can ask of them at the moment. So moving on to the first of the four Saturday games, it was Perth Glory at home to the Central Coast Mariners. Tell us about this one, Vig. We're going back. We're going backwards. Perth was the last game. It's all right. Let's get into. Let's get into it. Did I? I, I, I might have got them in the wrong order, mate. With the travel it's with right. Ed Sheeran, I, I might have uh, got into bad habits myself. So. <laughs> That's all right. We're uh, we'll start off with Perth. Um, it, it was the one one that got away for for Perth for me. Um, they'll two 0 up after uh, Samil Khalifi uh, scored a brilliant free kick and, and then got a penalty uh, just after half time. Two um, 0 up with you know what forty almost forty forty to go, and you're thinking you know Perth's going to cruise. They're at home. Uh, they've got a tremendous record at home. I think they've only lost once to to Melbourne City, um, and then. Uh, Cometh the man, Cummins the hour, hey? <laughs> uh, Jason Cummins pops up with with two penalties uh, to get Central Coast back in the game. Um, soft penalties as well, like a, a handball and um, a little... Foul uh, on Christian Theo Harris, yep. Yeah, foul on Theo Harris. Who, he, he looks sharp when he yeah, gets he in good, and around he? the box. Yeah, when he gets in around the box, he's he's got some, some really good footwork and um, he's going to be troubling for a lot of defenders in the league. So he, he draws a foul there and, and Cummins steps up and... Um, and convert so two all maybe a fair result in the end but um you know if you're perth glory and you're, and you're two nil up it's it's the one that got away from me mate the uh the mariners seem to get out of the block slow kick kickoff was delayed by 30 minutes i think due to broadcasting as a result of the weather delay at campbelltown stadium do you think that you know as as i was saying you know it's it's 10 o'clock over there sydney time so you're already 10 o'clock at night which is not your usual playing time then it gets moved out to 10 30 do you think that affected uh how they came out the block so slow the mariners yeah, potentially. Look, it's it's a long way to travel. We know that you know, your body's got to adjust to the time zones depending on when you when you arrive. I don't know if they travelled the same day or if they, um, you know, got there the night before. Um, it, it is. It's 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 difficult, and um, maybe the the Mariners, the players, were just were just feeling that a little bit. So um, slow out of the blocks, but take nothing away from Perth. They've been great at home. Um, there was a tremendous free kick from Khalifi to to go one nil up. Um, you know, we, we spoke about Ward Prowse before, but that was uh, Ward Prowse esque. It, it was a it was a lovely free kick. Moving on to the next to the uh, the Saturday games, they might be in the wrong order, but as I said, I apologise that uh, it's been a, a long weekend. But uh, Sydney FC versus Brisbane Raw, uh, the final score was one one. Alex Parson was in the right place at the wrong time for his former employers, as the former Raw young gun equalised late for his new team, Sydney FC, and it turns out he has ended his previous coach Warren Moon's time in charge of Brisbane. Coincidence or not? Uh, yeah, potentially, but yeah, it was, to be honest, I don't think Sydney deserved much out of this game. They, they did fight hard till the end, but, uh, Brisbane will be, will be kicking themselves and, and Warren Moon will be, you know, bitterly disappointed that they didn't get the three points because, um, in the end, it's, it's probably cost him his job. Yeah, look at, at least for another week, anyway. Yeah. If I, like I said, he might have been able to tread a bit, a bit of water, but, uh, Goes to show how the world works in funny ways, right? An ex-charger of his, one of the young guys that he did allow to leave to go to Sydney is the one that uh, scores the goal. But if you get three points, it's hard to sack a coach. But uh, when you have a 1-1 draw, and he was he was in the position of getting three points until about two minutes before full time. So it's all about seconds, inches and, uh, and, and everything. So unlucky for him. But uh, moving on to the third of the Saturday games was MacArthur Bulls at home against the Newcastle Jets. As we said, the weather played a bit of havoc here in Sydney uh, as it did across all of Sydney. Uh, and it was also a huge game because of the fact that both teams were sitting just outside of the top six and both trying to chase down the pack in front. What happened here, VIG? Yeah, it was a huge game. It was a bit, bit of a six-pointer, but um, yeah, just an unfortunate night out at Campbelltown State Stadium on Saturday evening. I think it was it was one of the hottest days in Sydney for years, um, which ended in a wicked thunderstorm that that postponed uh, several football matches across the city, not not just in in the A League with with this match, but um, also across NPL fixtures. There was there was a bunch of them um, that were abandoned in, in the end. So uh, the game was stopped due to thunder and lightning in the forty fourth minute with with Newcastle one 0 up thanks to a Trent Bahaja goal in the eighth minute. 
Um, both teams, they had to sit around and, and wait for, for half hour, 40 minutes. Uh, by the time they got back out there, um, they, they returned to, to see out the second half, which was, which was bizarre. And then they had to complete the match. Um, with the score staying as is until full time. So it was, it was a bit of a frustrating night for both teams. But if you're Newcastle, I think you, you take three points, you, you move on. Um, very difficult when, you know, stop start matches, are, you know, you, you don't know what's going on. Players are waiting around in the change room. They're getting cold. Um, not not good for, for old bodies either. So, um, yeah, sort of not much happened in the in the second half there. Um, Newcastle get get away with a 1-0 win. They, they, they take that and then... Um, Go back up up the coast, and uh, I think they're pretty happy happy with it. But for me, there was one glaring omission uh, from the squads. Uh, Daniel Azani, he he was named in the extended squad, but not on the team sheet for Milos Stojovski's side after starting the last three matches. So I don't know what's happening there. He did get uh, subbed at halftime in his in his last match. Um, so I don't know if there's there's more to that story, but um, yeah, seems seems a bit bizarre that he started the last three games and then uh, wasn't in the squad at all. Yeah, look, I'll add to that. Bulls assistant Jacob Burns was quoted as saying, but the playing part of what you do with the ball is only one part. That's confusing to me on a number of levels. A, I don't know what he was actually trying to say. B, Daniel Arzani adds something to your team. So if it's an issue with his attitude, great. Okay, as we saw with this Callum Gribble, you know, you can be an excellent next big thing. And if your attitude's not right, well, you're no use to anybody. But if it's the attitude, great. Let's get on with it and let's fix it and try and help the kid to achieve his talent. But if it's to do with because he's good with the ball, but he's not good without it. What, we want to turn into NFL? We'll put an attacking team on a defending team? I don't know. I didn't know what Jacob Burns was saying. I know he's only been assistant there for a few weeks and maybe he just got thrown a couple of lines and he didn't know what he was saying, but it, it just sounded like it, it wasn't prepared very well and it just sounded like a, a pretty poor excuse. But, uh, yeah, the, the other thing I was going to say to you is, uh, and uh, being a defender, uh, you know, this will probably be killing you, but I think it was Aspro that, Try to clear the ball He's kicked it across the goal To If he just turned And kicked it the other way It goes out for the throw in Who taught him to kick a ball Across the goals Especially when You know There's, there's attackers coming through I, I, had, I was just sitting there Shaking my head Thinking What am I watching here Like it's, it's This is basics This is like This is like when you go to Start doing the basic things At preschool and primary school And that as a kid Like these are the first things You learn in football Don't kick the ball Across your goal mouth yeah, look, I'm I'm all for playing out from the back and defenders getting on the ball and playing passes into midfield and you know starting the play. But sometimes you in football, sometimes you, you can't always do that. Sometimes you have to just have your wits about you and yeah, you have to knock one long or or put one out for a throw in and, and reset and and gather yourself and and get the team back in. So um, yeah, when I saw that, you know, you're thinking why why on earth has he done that? But um. I don't know, coaches are, are, are drilling into, especially centre-backs, um, you know, you must get the ball and you must play every single time. So um, I don't know if, if he's just a, a victim of a victim of that and, and the way that they want to play. But, um, yeah, for me, sometimes you you have to just, you know, you have to get rid of it sometimes and, and set yourself back up and, and reset. Touch finder, just kick it into the 50th row and they'd still would have been at nil-nil and who knows, might have been a chance of uh, pinching all three points, but it's not meant to be. The uh, last of the Saturday games was the Melbourne Derby with uh, first versus uh, last Melbourne victory hosting Melbourne City. The last time they played, the game was abandoned, so we just were hoping here, no matter what the result, uh, that the game went ahead and that we didn't have any more problems and... uh, Melbourne victory ran out three two winners. So last beating first goes to show that uh, on any on any given day you can uh, you can be a hero or a zero in the A League. Uh, the uh, the goal scorers were Damien De Silva in the seventh, Matt Leckie for equalising for City in the twenty fourth, Bruno Fornaroli giving victory the lead in the forty six. Uh, skipper Brillante extending the lead to three one in the seventy seventh, and then Matt Leckie again in the eightieth. For me, the uh, player of the match, and this goes back to Ufak Talley saying recruitment, 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 was Frenchman Daniel De Silva, who is a fantastic signing for the league and for Melbourne victory. He scored the opening goal, his first in Australia with a strong header, which gave his team a lot of confidence. And he also defended very well to keep the likes of McLaren, Tilio and uh, Van de Veen relatively quiet. So I know you've had a lot of experience with French football, with uh, Alex playing over there, as well as you watch a lot of French football. Do you like what you see with him, B.I.G.? Yeah, look, he's a player that's played at a big club for for a number of years now, and he, he's played in the top flight in in France. Um, but yeah, he looks like he looks like a leader. He's a he's a big, uh, imposing lad, and um, he, he's got bundles of experience. So I think that's what 
victory needed. And and while watching that game, you know, if if you if you hadn't looked at the league table, you you watch that game, you'd you'd be thinking these two teams are you know first and second, or you know they're in they're both in the top top four or top top six. So um, it was it was a good quality match. Um, and uh, the Silver's header, that, that's a that's a tremendous header. Like that, that, that's that's technique as, as well as uh, power and 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 timing as well to be able to jump up and and score a header like that. So um, we've seen his qualities so far, and uh, hopefully that continues for the rest of the season, especially for for Melbourne Victory. The turning point for me was the teams went into the halftime uh, in halftime locked at one one, and Victory caught them still in the sheds with Hefornaroli giving him a lead only a minute after the break, which gave his team a huge boost, and I think gave him the confidence to continue on the uh, the good start. So obviously they were good in the first half, but you go in at one one, so it's a bit disappointing. But uh, taking a lead so soon into the second half just gave the team the energy and the lift that they needed. So that was the turning point. And uh, what would I have done to change the game? Uh, I think victory was up for the fight, but I would have started uh, Baron Barisha in the midfield, maybe the expense of Berengay, just in a derby. And I know Berengay is a great player, but he's been out a lot this season, and I think Barisha is just a different type of player, um, or even in a different formation. But I also would have given the more physical Naboo more than 13 minutes. Uh, I think he would have asked a different question of the victory defence. So Tilio was quite ineffective and he's a great, skillful young player, but it was a pretty physical game. Throw in a big lad like Naboo. Now, okay, he might not be in as good a form and he might not, you know, be going as well as what Tilio is, but Tilio played. It didn't work. I would have given him at least 25 minutes to go out there and see what he could have done. So that's what I would have done to try and give... uh, but the league leaders a chance of um, of winning the game, but uh, it wasn't to be, and uh, victory with a well deserved three uh, two win. Moving on, yeah, to the, huge, yep. huge win, huge win for victory. Yeah, it was, a, it was a massive win, and I said this a couple of weeks ago too. Does that kickstart their season and at least whether they don't get into a final spot, at least put them in a, a lot more you know a lot more wins next to their name and a lot better position uh, at the end of the season. But uh, the next couple of weeks will tell. And the last game was uh, Adelaide United yeah. versus Western Sydney Wanderers, the only Sunday game, yeah. and uh, it didn't need any other games. Yeah. What happened here? It didn't. It was an absolute shootout down at uh, Cooper Stadium in, in Adelaide. Uh, finished four all. Uh, goals to Ibasuki um, to, 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 to kick it off. Uh, Borello to make it uh, one all with absolute weapon of a shot. Uh, Popovich to go two one up Adelaide. Borello two all uh, to get his second. And then uh, the Wanderers go three two up. Th- uh, three two up through Neuenhoff. Um, but you know, we, we always, we talk about this, um, you know, you, you score a goal, the next five minutes is crucial and they've let Adelaide straight back in. Ibasuki scores to make it three all, um, and then Kiddo makes it four, three to Adelaide. So it's just absolute seesaw, you know, um, affair. And then, uh, the new man, Leuni, uh, comes on and, and scores absolute worldie as well. So great, some lovely footwork for him and, uh, makes it four all in the end, which was probably a fair result. Um, I don't think either team probably deserved to lose this one, but. Um, yeah, it was a, a crazy sort of seesawing match and um, plenty of goals and, and like you said, defending uh, optional. Mate, entertaining game with eight goals. It was excellent attacking game, very enjoyable for, for the for the fans. But can the defence win either team a title? When you concede four goals, I, I, I know there was some cracking goals there. Can Adelaide United or Western both, does that get you into a final series if you're conceding four goals in a game and go, look, in a tight game, we're well prepared? Yeah, look, it might get you into the finals, but whether it's going to win your finals match, um, you know, like you said, defence wins championships. So uh, conceding for Adelaide, it's a bit worrying, conceding four goals at home. But um, and and the same for the Wanderers, like when you go away from home and you score four goals, you should expect to win that football match. So, um, you know, a few maybe there's a few more questions um, than than answers for for both coaches, I guess. So they'll, they'll be working hard this week to sort of rectify uh, their defence, but on, on an attacking note, it's it's a positive scoring four goals in a football match. So uh, my player of the match was Brandon Borello. He scored two great goals. Uh, the first one was was absolute worldy. Um, but also Ibasuki was was great as well. He, he broke a 10-game goal drought with a double. Um, the turning point for me was the uh, Adelaide disallowed goal just before halftime. So um, Zach Clough uh, was judged to, be, judged to be offside. And I think if that goes in, um, you know, you go into the sheds with a, a bit of a different frame of mind, and, and maybe the momentum shifted shifted a little bit. So um, that that was probably the turning point for me. Um, and then obviously Adama Traore got got sent off later later on in the game as well. Um, 
So, uh, you know, a, a bit of a bit of ebb and flow in this one. Uh, what would I have changed? Um, look, I, I think not not much, to be honest. I think both teams, they both went out to, to, to try and win the football match. Um, but potentially, you know, when the Wanderers go three, you go three, two up um, away from home and you've, you've got to, you've got to tighten up that, that next five minutes, 10 minutes after you go three, three, two up, you, you can't concede. And they've conceded, I think, three or four minutes after they scored and, and uh, Adelaide brought it back to three all. So I don't know if it's a change in personnel or changing system or you've got to get a message out to the players to say, come on, this, this next 10, five, 10 minutes is, is crucial in, um, you know, helping us win this football game. So in saying that, I think Roods has been listening to the show a bit because he, he did start Schneiderlin in a four-man midfield with Amalfitano, Neuenhoff and, and Bazanic. So you've got, you know, almost, you've got, you've got four cent, center midfielders there pretty much. Um, and he's played, played two up top who, who probably drifted out a bit wide. So, um, with, with Yangi who started the match, but he came off at halftime, um, so yeah, maybe maybe Roots has been uh, has been listening to the to the lads, and if he has, he could be listening to a lot worse uh, football pundits than you, VIG. So, uh, look another cracking round. Uh, after the break, we welcome our special guest, Macarthur Bulls, Brendan Wyatt. Uh, speak to you then. You're listening to the Football Revolution. Joining us now is a special guest. Usually, as you know, we chat with players, but this man works his magic on the players every week to ensure they're ready to take the field again. This legend is also doing something incredible during the coming weeks. I won't ruin the story, but rather allow him to tell us who he is and what he's attempting to do, as well as other things in his own words. So without further ado, g'day, Brendan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Gio. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an honour to be here. Mate, the pleasure's all mine. But, uh, mate, let's uh, let's uh, set the scene first. So, um you know, the heartbreaking scene is in, in May last year, A-League superstar Uly- uh, Ulysses Devere's wife, Lily Pacheco, tragically passed away. Um, absolutely devastating news, not only for uh, Uly- Uly's family and the football community and, you know, MacArthur Bulls and so on and so on, but uh, it also left uh, himself without a wife and his two-year-old son, Uly Jr., without their loving mother. So... Um, I've said this multiple times on the show. I'm amazed and, and I have an unbelievable respect for the courage Yuli's shown. The example he's setting for his son just blows me away. But, mate, can you tell us a little bit first, uh, how do you know Yuli and Lily? So I first met Uli when I came on board as a physio back at Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I was there for, for two seasons working alongside Uli, both in Wellington and obviously when we had to relocate over to Parramatta and Wollongong due to COVID. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with Ollie and, uh, and through Ollie, obviously met Lily and their little boy, Ollie Jr. Um, incredible guy, always pleasurable to be around the changing room, always bright, positive, vibrant. And uh, I've been lucky enough to, to get to know him over the past four to five years, not only through my Wellington days, but now at MacArthur Balls where I get to work alongside him again. Mate, so uh, I don't know which way it is. I don't know if he's got a little angel sitting over him or vice versa, but uh, like I said, you're both very, very impressive guys who, like I said, I've got a lot of time for. Mate, what was your role at the club at both uh, the the Phoenix as well as now at the Bulls? So I came on board at Wellington as uh, one of the physios. So I was working as the assistant physio back at the Wellington Phoenix men's team, transitioned over to the Wellington Phoenix women's team ironically, as the inaugural head physio, and then uh, took a little break away from football. And uh, ironically, it was actually Ollie himself who uh, kind of put in a few good words for me at MacArthur uh, when they were in need of a, a follow-up physio. And uh, yeah, was was happy to jump on board and get back into the professional football scene. Mate, so it's not surprising then that uh, you've uh, inspirationally decided to do to raise money um so if you just want to tell us a little bit about uh what you're trying to achieve here like i said i'm i'm feeling tired just looking at what you're um going to attempt but uh like i said i know you're you're hard into training and uh from all reports you're a beast out in the track so uh mate tell us what you're trying to uh trying to achieve yeah so as you know geo obviously uh lily uh tragically passed away uh, from something that's referred to as arteriovenous malformation or uh, otherwise known as AVM. And essentially it's uh, a bit of an abnormal tangle of blood vessels uh, between the arteries and veins and it can lead to a few complications uh, in the ways of aneurysms, uh, brain bleeds, obstruction of blood flow, things like that. And 
obviously my goal now uh, through Uli and in memory of Lily is to to raise as much money and awareness around AVM, but also other brain conditions. Um, and so essentially what I'm doing is I've decided to take up the uh, the arduous task of uh, running 160 kilometres in, uh, in a day. Was there any and, shorter uh, races? There must have been some shorter races, no? Is that... <laughs> oh, look, look. Uh, I mean, moving over to, to Wollongong over here, it's beautiful weather, beautiful coastline. So I've, I've run a few runs, uh, half marathons, you know, uh, done a few fundraisers in the past, but nothing quite like this. And, yeah, hoping to try and make it the biggest and best one yet. So, mate, it's... Uh... For, for the listeners, uh, 160 k's is 100 miles. So uh, you're attempting to run that in under 19 hours. So there was a time set of 19 hours by Dave Goggin. Who is he? Um, and how's training coming along for you? Yeah, oh, if you don't know David Goggins, I think you already need to to have a look at yourself. He's uh, he's an absolute legend in terms of the uh, kind of mental welfare game. He's a legend in terms of fundraising, uh, and he's just an absolute beast. So he's a he's an ex uh, US Navy SEAL. He's now an inspirational speaker, uh, entrepreneur, if you will, and uh, he's just an all around badass. So uh, he he's run more than a hundred k. He's run more than a hundred miles. He's done something like a two hundred and forty k race in the past. Uh, but he uh, he set the time of nineteen hours and six minutes at an event called the San Diego One Day. And he's always been a, a role model and kind of an inspiration of mine. And, um, yeah, decided to, to try and challenge myself and, and see if I could beat him. Mate, looking at, uh, like I said, the shape you're in as well as uh, some of the training you're doing at the moment, mate, I, I would, I'm going to have a couple of uh, dollars on the side just on you, mate. I, I reckon there's a good chance you can uh, you can break this this uh, 19 hours and six seconds. But uh, So firstly, mate, you're starting off, I believe, with the Orange Marathon on the 5th of March, which you're attempting to run in three hours. Yes, yeah. So as part of the training, obviously the, the distances are slowly ramping up uh, and I thought it would be a good way to kind of test myself to see where I'm at at that present point in time, but also give myself a bit of a fun event to look forward to rather than just dragging myself out on the weekends and, and slogging away by myself. So looking forward to that one there and I'll uh, yeah give it a good crack to see if I can chip away and, uh, and get under three hours. Mate, we both uh, share the same love of the Davia family as well as uh, the great cause, but we don't share the same interpretation of the word fun. You're, you're going for a three-hour run for fun. <laughs> we, we don't share that. I, I think for me that's uh, it's tough, but uh, considering what he's been through and the family's been through, this is nothing compared to that. But uh, that, that warms you up first, gives you a bit of a, a warm-up for this uh, April 1st run, which is the 160 kilometres. Can you tell us where that starts and where that finishes? Yeah, absolutely. So the 160k, I'll start up in Avalon Beach and uh, and finish down here in Stewart Park in Wollongong. I'm uh, I'm an adopted Wollongong boy. Uh, moved over here due to COVID with the Wellington Phoenix and loved it. Decided to stay. And obviously, uh, after running 160k, I'd like to have as short a walk as possible <laughs> to get back home. So okay. it was essentially map 160 upwards and and go from there. All right. So. Uh Tell us, mate, the, the training, obviously, there's a lot of physical training, but there's a lot of mental involved in this as well. Like I said, you know, you can be as fit as you want to be, but uh, your biggest instrument is your brain, right, and, and being ready mentally for this. So how are you preparing mentally and how are you also uh, preparing physically? Yeah, like you say, Joe, I think the, the physical part's ironically the easiest. Uh, training's been going well so far, you know, a mixture of obviously some, some long days on the road, uh, but also, you know, trying to keep some strength up, trying to keep some body weight on, uh, getting into the gym, stretching, rolling, sauna, ice baths, you know, trying to utilize the facilities and the, and the scientific background that I've got. Uh, and then just coupling that with, with some Ks on feet and just spending some time getting some, some load in the legs. Mentally, that's a whole different ball game. Uh, you know, looking up to guys like David Goggins. And obviously, if you're an Australian, you'll know the name Ned Brockman guy who ran from Perth to Bondi in 46 days. So when you've got guys like that who are completing feats like they are, it's uh, it's pretty easy to just push away the excuses and, you know, realise that there's other people out there putting some effort in for, for good causes. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at mentally. And it's not easy. There's some days where you wake up, drag yourself out of bed, and you, you know mentally you've got a big long day ahead. Uh, but with that being said, I don't think it compares to 
anything that Ollie's been through personally. And when you look at the, the strength, the resilience, the, the grit, the determination that he's got day in, day out, I mean, you just can't fault him personally. Uh, and, and through that, I have no excuses. I've got to get it done and, and it's for an amazing cause. Mate, like I said, I think you both share a huge heart. Him obviously uh, going through what he does and still, you know, as I've said on the show numerous times, I'd find it hard to even put my boots on, let alone go out in the pitch, put in for your team and still be so approachable to the fans and teammates and everything like that. So it just goes to show, you know, how mentally strong he is after, you know, what he's been through. But uh, for you, mate, like I said, there's a lot of people in this life and I've said this to you off air that will say, yeah, I've got your back and, you know, they'll send you a text message or something, but you've actually, you know, you're not just uh, talking the talk, you're walking the walk or actually running the long run so mate (laughs) super super impressed but uh mate who's the charity that uh all these funds will be helping so the charity i'm trying to raise money for is the brain foundation australia so they're an incredible charity that does amazing work in the realm of not only avm but also other brain conditions uh the money raised will go directly towards uh, research prevention education and obviously uh trying to help support those in need and those who have gone through brain conditions or, or ABM specifically. Mate, so tell us your reason behind uh, doing this. So I, like I said, I, I know like a lot of people, you know, this has hit hit you really, really hard with, you know, obviously knowing the family very well and knowing how amazing they are. But uh, what uh, what triggered in you, mate? What uh, Whether you woke up one morning or one night, you were going for a cycle or going for a kick at training and you just, what triggered in you that you decided, hey, I'm going to do something about this and not only am I going to go there and, uh, you know, support him in an in a enormous way, but I'm also going to try and uh, raise some money to try and avoid even one person going through what uh, their families had to go through. I, th- I think that's uh, a very simple yet a very complex uh, discussion. I mean, for me personally, again, knowing Uli, knowing Lily and, and knowing the family, I just, I'm in absolute awe of Uli himself and the strength, the determination that he shows day in, day out. Uh, again, I was lucky enough to come on board at MacArthur right around the time of our Australia Cup final. And just seeing the way he steps up day in, day out, the way he turns up at work, parks his personal problems at the door, compartmentalises and just continues to drive and lead the team. It's just inspirational to myself. So for me, it was just a case of if Uli can show that day in, day out, no matter what, I can only imagine the emotions, the trauma, the hardship that he's been through. And if he can continue to, to show up, be there for others, lead, mentor, you know, drive the team, I think it's only fair that, that somebody has his back and somebody decides to do the same in return. So that was my motivation behind it. And again, if I can raise awareness and money towards an incredible cause that affected not only Ollie personally, but others around the globe and around the country, then I'm more than happy to, to put my body through the ringer to do it. You're absolutely a, a cracking guy, and I, mate. Like I said, if there's any jobs going, I don't care. It could be the the garbage man at the uh, Macarthur Bulls. I'm coming down and applying, mate. If I can be around positive <laughs> people like you, I'm coming down. I'm going to try and get myself a job down there because, like I said, the world's full of a lot of negative people. But mate, there's not a lot out there that, uh, like I said, that are as positive as you and that look at it from uh, from the best possible angles. But uh, mate, how can people get behind you and help? The easiest way is is just through donating. Uh, in all honesty, and they can either do that through the Brand Foundation website, uh, in which I've got a fundraiser set up uh, under the name of 160 Kilometres for AVM. Otherwise, the easiest way is to to get online and uh, and donate through the through the Instagram bio that I have online. Uh, I've got posters which I'll be posting around the the local companies and local community, as well as uh, posting again online. And there's a simple QR code that that people can follow to to hopefully through few dollars in the way of a good cause. Mate, most certainly. And uh, like I said, if they can't remember any of that, they're more than welcome to hit us up here at the Football Revolution and uh, I'm happy to direct you whichever way you want. So, uh, look, give uh, give it what you can afford. It's a, an amazing cause and is an amazing guy running uh, not only 160 kilometres in the second run, but he's also going to be running for three hours in the Orange, Orange Marathon. So, uh, like I said, uh, you'll be either one tired or one very fit boy at the end, but I know it's all about uh, doing what you can to help your family, uh, your, fr- your, your, your good friend and uh, try and erase some of this uh, 
uh, you know, horrendous thing that he's been through. But, uh, mate, look, that upsets me so much and leaves me so flat. So I'd love to finish off with a six-a-side game that uh, that we play usually with our guests. Um, if I don't laugh, I'll end up crying. So um, <laughs> if, if you're keen for it, I'm ready to uh, have a shot. But, look, before we get into that, is there anything else that you'd like to, you know, convey to the listeners? Is there something, anything I've missed that uh, is, it would be good information or helpful information for them? Yeah, look, from my side, I think you've covered most of it, Geo. I think the the most important thing that I want to try and get across to people is not only, obviously, that there's an important cause that funds and, and awareness is being raised around, but also from my side of things, oh, I'm trying to prove to people that you're capable and that you can push yourself, whether that be mentally, physically, socially. Uh, I know a lot of people are going through hardship in one way or another through COVID, through financial hardship, uh, whether that be brain conditions or, or any other bodily conditions uh, and obviously I know that there is help out there uh, there is support out there you know rally around each other and and I think many hands make light work and the burden shared is a burden half yeah absolute genius mate honestly I can't, I can't tell you how impressed I am by by what you're doing but uh, mate if you're ready to go we um, play the six aside game I've got six questions for you it can be either a Phoenix player or a Bulls player because uh, you've been at both those clubs so uh, if you're ready to roll I'm going to start firing away yeah let's rip in I'm not sure how uh, how well I'll go but we'll give it a whirl mate you know what because he's such a nice guy that no one will be cranky with you anyway so you can throw whoever you want under the bus here all right, all right. I'll give it. I'll give it a go. I'll. Uh, I'll see if any of the guys uh, give me a message and give me a bit of hard time when I get back. Send them to me. Who is on the physio table the most? Oh, that's a good one. There's a few boys who are up there, okay. especially candidates. That's fine. Uh, I'm, happy I'm, gonna, have, I'm happy, happy to have a leading front, front, front three. Well, I'm going to have to go MacArthur Balls here. Okay. Uh, there's a few. And ironically, they all give each other a hard time about being on the physio table the but most. That, but that's only because you were at Wellington a long time and you got, got to sort things out. Now you've only been in a short time at the Bulls. That's why they're in this situation. But that won't be the same case next year once you get it sorted. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. All right. Uh, in all honesty, I'm going to have to say my good Polish friend, Philip Curto, he'd okay. be up there. All right. Uh, the man probably goes through about twenty or thirty dollars worth of uh, strapping tape per day to keep that body together. <laughs> <Okay>. So uh, <laughs> he's he's definitely on the on the shit list of the uh, management in terms of cost and, and funding. Okay. Uh, and then I'm actually going to have to say my good friend Matty Miller. Okay. Uh, he's he's been clocking up a few Ks in the old legs and, and scoring a few goals for us. To I was going to say he so, has been scoring a lot of goals, so I think he's he's fine. I'm, I'm able to give him a pass on that because if he just defended like a defender normally does, then maybe he doesn't pick up the injuries. But he's going that extra mile, right? Oh, absolutely. He's got he's got a bit of a, a nose beat up top at the moment <laughs> and uh, doing a bit of altitude training. So so long as he keeps banging in some goals, uh, I'm quite happy with him. But. Uh, funnily enough, he's he's got a bet with me for every uh, for every goal he scores. That's an extra kilometre I've got to run. Okay. So uh, fingers crossed the uh, the goals keep play. coming. Yeah, we're hoping you run a bit for 180 k's or something. Uh, hey, if he keeps scoring goals for the club, I'm happy. All right. So is there's no one there's no one to even challenge those two from the Phoenix. The Phoenix are good. No, Phoenix was actually relatively uh, relatively diverse. You know, a few boys would come through, but it was uh, a good little rotation there. Obviously, you have your little niggles and you have your injuries in which you spend a lot of time with players. Uh, but in terms of regulars, day-to-day, I'd have to say the MacArthur boys are up there. All right. Who trains the hardest? Whether it be the pitch, the, the gym, wherever, whatever they're doing. Or it could even be rehab. It could be even recovery. Who, who when goes in there, just know is just uh, another level? It's between two. Okay. It's between two. I'm going to have to say uh, Danny De Silva. Okay. He, he's, he's an absolute workhorse, just consummate professional in the gym, on the field, on the watt bike, whatever it might be. You can just leave the guy to it and you know he's just going to give 100% and just do everything by the book. So top, top guy to work with. Um, and then honestly, I'm going to have to say Uli himself, okay. uh, you know, gives his absolute all, wears his heart on his sleeve, whether that be for the players, for the fans, behind closed doors where nobody's laying an eye on him and he's, uh, he's, he's a good guy like that and uh, he's definitely a workhorse for sure. Yeah, both absolute quality players. Who's the funniest? Who makes you laugh the most? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say two different categories. Dan Arzani's up there. Arzani's uh, up there? Arzani's up there. He's just a larrikin. 
Yeah, but yeah, at the start of, start of the year when he came there, he was whinging about how he can't trust anyone in football and, you know, in this and that. And, and now you're telling me he's one of the funniest blokes in football. All right, you can't judge a book by its cover. No, definitely not. Yeah, okay. No, Azani's always got some witty one-liners, a bit of banter. Okay, uh, that's good. You know, always, always lights up the room with his humour. Uh, but then the other characters who are good value are the, the Crows, which is uh, Ivan Voyetza and, uh, and Tommy Uscott. Okay. Always got some good philosophical discussions going on. Uh, there's always a little bit of a, a word of the day or topic of the day uh, in the physio room there. And uh, yeah, it just always, always makes work interesting. You don't know what you're going to get when you turn up. Mate, I can't wait for your book. I don't, I don't know how many people you're going to offend, but this this would be excellent reading. You've got not only do you know your stuff on the pitch, off the pitch, you can tell us what uh, what guys have been saying behind the doors. You can tell us mental coach, uh, fitness coach, is it physio. There's everything here. Mate, surely there's a book deal in this. Oh, look, hey, I'm going to have to uh, keep that one under wraps for now. Hopefully there's a, there's a publisher who's willing to uh, to get on board, but I, I think I've got to uh, just focus on getting through the running first and then we'll have a chat about that later. All right, mate. Who's the most competitive? Most competitive? Look, in all honesty, I'm going to have to go, in terms of competition, day in, day out, Tommy or Scott. Okay. He's just competitive, passionate guy, whether it's small-sided games, whether it's Sheva, whether he's getting nutmegged or, or, or obviously uh, playing his heart out on the weekends. He's uh, just an all-around top guy, competitive guy. Again, gives his absolute all in training. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he can get feisty if he's on the wrong side of the result. But with that being said, I think it just comes from his passion for the game and just wanting the club to do well. How do the players take that? So do the players love that or is it annoying because you've got somebody who just wants to always win at all costs, right? So every ball that's half out, half in, you know, every, any handballs, you've got this guy who's refing because he's so desperate to make sure that he, he's on the winning team. So is it well taken by the players or has it become like the little brother a bit annoying? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. Uh, but with that being said, I think it just comes down to standards and, and all of the boys love to drive the standards and, and keep the standards high and, and they see the, the goal and they see the vision moving forward. So from that side of things, I know that the boys uh, can recognise it's coming from the right place uh, in the moment, perhaps not so much. All right. Who is the worst after a loss? Who do you stay away from or who do the boys know stay away from because they're just not someone you want to be around for at least a few days? Ooh, tricky one, tricky one. To be fair, I'd, I'd say that overall on the whole, the, the team's not too bad. Okay. Normally 30 minutes to an hour after the game, we try and keep our heads down in the back room, try and work away with players and just be professional, try and avoid too much, uh, too much conversation. But in terms of, I guess, passion, desire um and and who's genuinely torn by a loss uh i think yeah yeah again looking at your your ollie especially the way he tries to lead the team and, and tries to drive the team and kind of what he wants for the team moving forward so he's uh he's normally pretty upset after games but again in a good and kind of respectful way you just leave him alone let him mull it over in his own time and uh and to be fair he's normally back first uh first thing in the morning Again, ready to turn up, work hard, and uh, and also crack a few Spanish jokes in the meantime. Okay, are they? How are the Spanish jokes? Are they good, or is it? How, how many of the players actually get the can, can can get the jokes? How many guys can understand it, or how how does that work? Oh, with Oli, it, it's top. He's he's obviously uh, fluent speaking uh, with the Spanish, but he's uh, he's got a bit of broken English. So, I think part of the humour comes from the fact that he's uh, still developing the English, but. To be fair, our head physio Cody, our uh, our uh, soft tissue therapist uh, Jun, and uh, and a few of the players actually understand the Spanish uh, quite well. So they're normally pretty well received. I'm, I'm slowly getting my way through Duolingo at the time. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm I'm pretty basic to be fair, but uh, hopefully by the end of the year I'll uh, understand it a little bit more. Nice. And uh, who would you take to any club you were at? So if you could take. Any player, so take uh, Uli out of this and also take out David Ball because everyone tells me I love David Ball. I love David Ball too, but just leave him out of this category for once. One, which player would you take from either club to the next club you went to? So we get you a big gig over in the Premier League. Off you go. See you later, Brendan. And then who would you take? To be fair, I think in terms of just his professionalism and the fact that you could 
leave the guy alone and he would uh, chip away with his own rehab. He'd follow the protocols to the T and obviously he's, uh, he's been over at a, at a big club already. I'd have to say Danny De Silva, um, you know, just top guy, likable guy in the changing room. But again, when it comes to, to putting in work, he's just ready to go. Uh, so I'd have to say Danny to be fair. All right, so don't worry, Bulls fans. He's not going anywhere at the moment, so you can you can rest easy. But uh, I will follow this one up. But uh, mate, look, thank you very much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Good luck with the training. Um, we'll be doing a weekly update on your progress as well as the money raised, so that uh, the listeners and as well as your friends and family can see exactly how we're going, and then we can know how much work we've got to do to get that up to a figure that we 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 think will really make some uh, make some use to the charity. Um, I'll be at the event to support you and record some memories, hopefully. But, uh, mate, if there's anything you need in the meantime, please just let me know. You're an absolute inspiration. Uh, I love what you're doing, and I think you're an amazing guy. And, uh, mate, I'll definitely be in touch over the coming weeks. And uh, anything I can do to help, please let me know. No, thank you, Gio. I really appreciate it. And obviously to, to any and everybody who's happy to donate or already has donated, again, can't thank you enough for, for getting behind it. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you up at the start line and uh, maybe might even get a few Ks in those legs of yours, Gio. Mate, you will indeed. But, uh, mate, once again, thank you very much and uh, we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Talk soon. You're listening to The Football Revolution. Welcome back to the show. It was great chatting with Brendan. What an amazing gesture and a fantastic person. It's now time for our clinical finish, the end of our show. And first up is our What the Foot. So uh, this one, again, uh, just has me absolutely bamboozled. The suspended first Melbourne derby will resume on April 2nd from the 20th minute with City leading 1-0. I'm with you, Popper. Absolutely ridiculous. You can't freeze time. Just award City a 1-0 or a 3-0 win or play the full game. How can you go in, ask fans to turn up and watch 70 minutes of a football game or ask players to go out months after and continue on a game at 1-0 down? I just don't get this. I don't know who thought of this, but uh, what the foot? WTF. Yeah, look, it's a it's a strange one. Uh, it's it's happened before around the world. I, I've seen it happen before, where but it's still nuts. Games, it doesn't matter games, what language games have been. A, it's nuts. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me because what happens if uh, players are injured or um, you, you, I, I don't know? You, you, are you going to have the same? You, you have to go back with the same same eleven that that were on the pitch at, at that time. What if players are injured or they're sick or um, you know something's happened between now and then? Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a bizarre one, um, and yeah, uh, given that it was only twenty minutes into the game, um, you know, may, maybe it, it is easier to just award the points to to City, um, be done with it, and, and move on, or like you said, start the game from scratch again. Look, punish punish uh, victory as harsh as it may be for their fans' misbehaviour, right? And say, hey, you've lost the game. Bad luck, your fans didn't behave. And you hit them with penalties and fines and everything because you thought it was unacceptable and you held them accountable, the club accountable, not just the fans, the players, the staff, the club accountable. But now you're saying, oh, yeah, we'll give you a chance to try and get something out of the game. But 70 minutes, one, what are we going to do? Put the goalposts up and, and make sure that everyone's standing in the same position in, when, when we say start, they can start in the same position. This is just absolute nuts. Anyway, it's... Uh, that's I, I, hope, I hope they don't do that because Tom Glover will be starting the game with a uh, sand bucket on his head. <laughs> yeah, no, I, hope, I hope not. Games to watch this week. Second place Mariners welcome the fifth place Phoenix. I'll be at that game, so I'm pretty excited to go out there and uh, it's a great uh, venue and, and two teams in really good form playing good football. City licking their uh, derby wounds entertain Sydney FC who are just holding on to a final spot. And Adelaide United travel to Melbourne to face long-time rivals of victory who are on a high after their derby win. Yeah, it looks like to me it's a, it's a good weekend to be down in Melbourne. Um, you can catch uh, City and Sydney FC on the on the Saturday afternoon and then um, victory and, and Adelaide on the Sunday. So, I don't know, you've, you've got your frequent flyers uh, racked up. So maybe you can, um, you know, jet, jet down there for the weekend and, and catch two football games. So, yeah. Um, they're, they're probably the two big standouts for me. And, and like you said, uh, Central Coast Mariners and, and Wellington on Friday night also is uh, shaping up to be a, a really good affair. Yeah, look, I think there's some. Uh, there's probably a few other decent games around, but that were the three that I, I really like the look of and, and I'll be watching to uh, to see how the, these top six teams are all performing. But uh, let's have a quick look at our TFR fantasy update. So my round 18 I, score... I'd, I'd rather not, to be honest. <laughs> okay, we're going to any which way. So my round 18 uh, score was 99, which takes me to a total of 1348. What was your round 18 score, VIG? 
Oh, it's embarrassing. It was only 44. I had uh, I had a few players in in minus figures, and uh, I think I had about four or five in in single digits, low single digits. So but you, we both had double, we both a, had double digits, except mine was a nicer one. So if this was like uh, poker, I've got a pair of nines, and you had to get a pair of fours. So I've I've got you beaten easily. It's, yeah, it's uh, it wasn't a good week for me. Um, What's yeah, your total? I might have to. I don't know. I, I might well, be getting the sack, sack like Warren Moon, or I might have to ring some, <laughs> ring some changes. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried. I, I'm going to get an email from uh, from A League Fantasy saying you've been sacked. Yeah, look, it's uh, so, um, you're on twelve seventy, so I've I've extended myself to a, a pretty nice uh, to, to a pretty nice lead. But uh, look, I I was very close to a century. A huge improvement from last week. I didn't make any changes, but the uh, hot was Zawada, who was my captain. He got fifteen, so he got me thirty. Cummings twenty one, and Newenhoff nineteen. But the cold one was uh, Lawrence Thomas, who got me minus two. And what the frustrating part is, I had Holmes on the pine, who scored 15. So if I'd had him in, it would have been even a bigger landslide. Um, I need to get the injured Piscopo out. And also, Leo LaCroix, Mr. Minus Points this season. I need to uh, get rid of him. But uh, one other quick thing. Krayev, who I traded out two weeks ago, owes me a beer. The previous six games, his total points were 10. Since I axed him in two games, he's got 43 points. So while he was in my fantasy team, he was going pretty average. Now I've got rid of him. I've, uh, I've let him fly. I've opened the cage and let him fly. So I think uh, he and the Phoenix owe me a beer or two uh, when I'm up in uh, uh, Mariner's country uh, this Friday night when I go to watch them play. But uh, if they missed any part of the show or wanted to uh, listen to other episodes, where can they catch it? Yeah, they can catch us on all good podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, also up on uh, Football Nation Radio platforms. And uh, if they want to see the video, our ugly mugs, uh, up on YouTube. Mate, I was, I was trying to see if I could work out if I could get us up on the uh, the big screens at Ed Sheeran, but I had no luck. He had all those little guitar picks all around and the set was amazing. And I was hoping maybe in between uh, the breaks or in between the sets we could chuck on a bit of uh, footage from the football revolution, but I wasn't able to work that out. They needed you there because you're their, uh, our technical guru. But uh, there's plenty of football to keep us entertained this week. Thanks to our special guest, MacArthur Bulls physio running machine, Brendan Wyatt, and we wish him all the best. And uh, we'll put up on the site how they can uh, – I think he's already said it, but how they can donate and try and get behind this amazing cause, cause and also uh, his good friend uh, Uli Davia. Uh, please uh, do what you can. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show even half as much as we enjoy bringing it to you and we look forward to joining us again next Tuesday as we cover another huge week in football. Until then, as we say, rise up and join the football revolution. Have a great week. We'll catch you then. <laughs>